it's probably my favorite venue that we've played in so far that is like a bowl venue or wow you know what i'm saying that's not like a traditional college atmosphere it's awesome so you like i mean you've been the biggest proponent of jerry world out there you like it better than jerry world or mercedes-benz in atlanta dang i do and i'll tell you why it's really easy to get to the parking is really easy to get to walking through the like the underbelly or whatever to try and get to the press box and everything like it's easy to maneuver around it's it's big but it's not too big i think it holds 60 some thousand people which is plenty for a bowl game uh, the surface everything the lighting in here is great you got jumbotrons in all four corners of the stadium I, it's just awesome our booth isn't isn't very big i but, I mean, it's not too small. It's open air. And we're really low down close to the field. The whole thing is great. I think do it's you awesome. Know, do you know the only other time that uh, OU's played in that venue that you're sitting in right now? Yes. Okay. Who was it the, against? Ooh, who was it against? Missouri? Yeah. It was against Missouri. Uh, what was Missouri ranked when OU beat them soundly? Well, they were ranked number one in the country when they yes. beat them the first time that season, right? Oh, no, that's not right, actually. That's not right? No. Oh. I just second gave time it away. they were ranked number one? Yes, yeah, second time they were ranked number one. Missouri was undefeated and just beaten Kansas. Uh, that was like a one-versus-three matchup, something like that. That was the year that Kansas went on to win the Orange Bowl. And I think the final score was like 38-17. Oh, you beat up on um, Chase Daniel in Missouri, man. Yeah, it was a pretty good night. Wasn't there, but seemed like a good night there. I'm confused. If OU had already beaten Missouri once or that year, or they were one loss team, they were one loss team. Sorry. Yeah. If how were they still ranked number one? Uh, because 2007, that was the crazy year where a two loss team got into the national championship game. LSU, like that. That it was just it was uh. nuts that season. Teams were losing. Left and right, LSU lost late to Arkansas Who'd, that year. Uh, West Virginia lost late. To? OU lost in 2007. They lost at Texas Tech late in the year, and they lost to Colorado the week before OU Texas. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yes, uh, okay. Bradford. Bradford got a concussion. I think it was in Lubbock. They played on a Saturday night. His head hit the turf, and they ended up losing that game. Or OU probably not probably OU would have played Ohio State in the national championship that year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. They, yeah, they played Missouri here. It's the only other time they've played in this, at least recently. Did they ever play? They haven't played in here any other time, right? That's nope, not just nope. like a Stoops era thing. No, I don't think in basketball either. There's been some Final Fours there, but OU was in Houston, Atlanta for their Final Four. I'm, I'm sure maybe the OU women have at a, at a Final Four at some point, but yeah, as far as the OU football program, that's it. Hey, by the way, now, Dodger I will Blade, say this, though, real, real Dodger, quick. Real, okay, all right. Um, I love this uh, venue for a football game, but the fact that the Spurs played here for a long time is just dumb. That's stupid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dodger Blaine just came by. Um, nice to meet oh, him nice. for the first time. Yeah, he, he's a great texter of the show. He came by and got a ref hat. Some others have, c- have come by and got some uh, listener number 31 T-shirts, so – Appreciate everyone coming by here today to uh, Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails, 132 West Main Street right here in Norman. 
you know, we, we talked about <laughs> Anthony Brown, Oregon's quarterback, earlier this week, and we were like, yeah, you know, he's Oregon fans really don't like him. Man, he's not the best thrower of the football, and he's kind of like an odd mix of, you know, he body type, he looks like Bohan in a Baylor, and then throwing the ball-wise, it's a lot like Spencer Sanders. If he's running the football, he can be effective, but if you shut him down in the quarterback run game, he's going to have, have a lot of trouble. So we made the comparisons – like, not talking nicely about Oregon's quarterback, Anthony Brown. And then Mike tweeted us. He was like, wait, you mean the two quarterbacks that actually beat OU this year? Which, fair <laughs> point. But the fact remains, if OU makes Anthony Brown consistently throw it down the field today to, to beat them, um, this is going to be the lopsided score you and I are predicting. Well, which we couldn't do with either one of those quarterbacks, right? We couldn't. Yeah put it on their arms it was the running game that that really hurt us especially in the Baylor game so yeah but that is funny and that is true um now I I I still believe firmly that if we stop the running game that's it should be a a pretty safe football game for us but if we don't and dies a good back they Oregon's gonna have the the chance to maybe hang around Travis Dye looks like a pretty small dude, at least in press conference setting. Is that what he is, yeah. a pretty small dude that's got some speed and some surprisingly, you know, he's stronger than maybe what you size him up as? Yeah. Um, I he, he, he does appear small on film. I, I think that's probably the right case. I'll, I'll pull up his uh, height and weight and everything. Um, but he is, I know this, he runs more physical than you would expect. Uh, he's a, he's a fairly downhill guy. He'll make a cut, make you miss, but, um, he can definitely get it going downhill. He is listed at, oh, geez, come on. Uh, 5'10", 190. Oh, yeah. Okay. 5'10", 190. Um, but you know, he's, he's a good solid back. I, I don't think he's great. I don't think he's he's anywhere close to some of the backs that we faced this year. Even though he is a good back, I don't want to take anything away from him. But when you compare him to like uh, Brees Hall at Iowa State, um, I know we didn't face the kid at, at TCU this year, but um, uh, the Baylor Abram Smith is a really good back. I, we've seen some really really good backs this year, and. He's, he's kind of, I would say, middle of the road for who we faced. But I don't want to take anything away, make it sound like he's not capable. He is. He's just he's not nearly the physical, run-through-you type of player that they faced, although he does have some nice physicality. Sure. What about the rest of their team? And I know that this is incredibly difficult with the situation that they're in, like missing some defensive starters, missing some scholarship guys. But the best two teams that OU played this year, they lost to. Baylor and Oklahoma State. So Oregon would be – is Oregon the third best team that OU's played this year? Are they the fifth? Like, if you had to put a number on it, where would it be? At best, they're number three. With the current lineup that they've got right now, I would say they're probably – they're not as good as, as Oklahoma State. I don't think they're as good as Baylor. Um. Hmm. Iowa State, 
Like Iowa State pounded, like the same Iowa State team that we played this year pounded this team last year, right? Yep, in the Fiesta. I mean, it's yep. so, and I know Iowa State, their their record didn't look the same this year, but I would venture to say that like both teams at their peak, that Iowa State's better than than Oregon. Maybe that's wrong, but yeah, probably probably number four now. Yeah, there are some pieces of this though, like their offensive line. In talking to people that have had have looked at it, like OU's defensive coaches and, and some other people that have been watching it say that by far this is the best offensive line that OU's faced this this season. It's a pretty big group, physical group. Uh, they have a physical downhill running game. They've got, like for instance, their their tight ends that are a big factor in the running game. Uh, like number eight tight end, he's six six, two hundred sixty five pounds. Like big guy. Um, Eighteen Spencer Webb is six six, two hundred forty pounds. They're all all of their tight ends are six six plus over two hundred forty pounds. Gigantic tight ends, and they're going to use them a lot in in the running game. Motion them, uh, use them as lead blockers. A lot of gap scheme stuff, powers, counters, stuff like that. So it is a physical offense from Oregon not what you're used to whenever you see these guys well and and that goes to to the point that we've been making for a couple weeks now is you know any other time in the past decade that these two teams play buddy it's an up and down track meet like the over under tonight is 63 any other time I think it's high it might be a lot higher than that we're talking about a 47 41 type of football game if not more but I I don't know exactly what Oregon's going to do defensively but their overall game plan to me, kind of feels like what everyone really tried to do against OU this year. Control the line of scrimmage, run the football, shorten the game quite a bit, and limit OU's ability to hit on deep plays down the field offensively. Like I, for, right. like The game plans that other teams have formulated against them, I think that they're going to see something very similar tonight because the path to victory for Oregon, without a doubt, man, without a doubt, is running the football and shortening possessions. Yep. Yep. Uh, I I agree. Um, that line of scrimmage battle is is going to tell the tell the story on both sides, and and that's the thing to look at. Now I know they're not going to be at a hundred percent, but they still got some very capable bodies on that offensive and defensive line. So it's it's going to be a battle. There's no doubt. They're they're good up front, man. That offensive line, um, but. If we're talking about Reggie Grimes at the end of the game, we're talking about Isaiah Coe, Marcus Stripling. If we're talking about those guys in for the guys that opted out that played well, then I I, I think we're, again, I, path to a blowout here, that, that's what we're talking about. Unless Oregon's offensive line dominates, if that doesn't happen, it's going to be a long night for them, man, a real long night. Yep. Do they, hey, do they have yep. anything at wide receiver? That really makes you nervous? Um, no, not really. Uh, they do have some good, quick playmakers out there, but anything that makes me nervous, not really, because that has to tie in with the quarterback, and the quarterback, the quarterback is so up and down. Um, the Thornton kid, he's a freshman. He's six foot five, does have some size to him. Um, you know, they've got a couple of the smaller type of burners out there, but it's a young group, man. The yeah. wide receivers are super, super young. 
And I, I can't say that anything necessarily just blows my uh, socks off, but you know that if if they get the running game going and they're able to get into some of that play action stuff to where you know we're on our heels with down and distance, then you know they can make us pay with that. But we stop the run. There's not many wide receivers that they have that I'm really worried about just going up and beating us in one-on-one situations. Agree. I agree with that. Yeah, it's all all going to be have to be predicated on the run game. It's what their number one wide receiver opted out of this game. It I, it seems like forever they've had kind of smaller, shiftier guys. Um, kind of seems like that maybe that's what they have this year, but not not a guy that really, but not like a six four six five guy that really should scare you going down the field. But right, we'll see. Yep. All right, uh, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two of the uh, special edition pregame show for the Valero Alamo Bowl going on. Tyler's there at Scratch and Norman. I'm hanging out down here at San Antonio in the Alamo Dome. So uh, stay with us. We've got a lot coming up. We're calling it the four-hour pregame show today. Right now, because that's exactly what it is. Four-hour pregame show right here on the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Josh Elmer with you until 6 p.m. Getting you ready for the Alamo Bowl tonight, 8.15 on ESPN. I'm live at Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails where I had some grilled chicken and some risotto for lunch today. And uh, let me tell you, it was amazing. They also have cocktails to go here at Scratch. Come by and see us, 132 West Main Street in Norman. Giving away ref hats, giving away uh, ref t-shirts. Come by and join all the fun. Josh is back in our Brown O'Haver Studios Ted is inside the Alamo Bowl. Any uh, scuttlebutts on some guys that we're not expecting to miss this game for any uh, variety of reasons? Oh, I don't. I have no idea on scuttlebutt. That's you. You break the news to me usually, right? Mm. Not how it usually works. No scuttlebutt as to someone who might have the COVID or ineligible or anything. Number thirteen playing quarterback tonight. I don't know if thirteen's playing quarterback. Uh, I would expect that he does. I've seen him in and around the hotel. Uh, I've seen him at practice, but I don't know as of today what he's going to be doing. Uh, I've heard of no COVID. I've heard of no injuries that we didn't already know about. So as far as I know, this is a uh, a full roster Without the opt-out and transfer portal guys, obviously. Yeah, um, you know, with Muleshoe, we kind of figured out how to read the situation. If he said, oh, yeah, this guy's he's he's good to go, we should expect him this week, that means there's 0% that he's going to play. Now, if Muleshoe said, ah, not looking too good, he's a ways off, that means that we could expect him to play that week. Didn't that happen like in the Iowa State game? He said uh, something like Rain looked yeah, really good to play and someone else. And I it was finally the exact cracked opposite. the code. I finally cracked the code. I was like, well, hey, whoa, 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 hang on. Lincoln Riley just said a guy that was hurt, clearly hurt, like had to be carried into the, the training room, is going to play. Like, he never says if someone's going to play or not. Right. That dude's out. There's no way like he would he would give that type of information. We can go ahead and count that guy out. Which, you know, just chalk that up, which I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of coaches that play that type of game. I understand that. But, 
it's just another weird quirk, right? That God. it's a blatant lie. I mean, let's be honest. That that's telling a blatant lie. And I know there's gamesmanship there for the opponent and who's playing, but really weird. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's really weird. I agree. Air Cover Solutions text line four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Uh, let's get to that, Josh. I'm, I'm sure it's been piling up back in studio. What do we got? If Oregon has the best offensive line OU's faced this year and OU's without its opt-outs, what makes you think Oregon won't run the ball down Oklahoma's throat all night? Teddy? Well, I think we have very capable guys playing in, in those spots. I, I do believe our game plan is good. I've seen some of it in action. I like it. Um, I think a lot of it's going to be pretty straightforward stuff. Um, I wouldn't call it simple. I would say that our guys should have the ability to adjust quickly and play fast. And, yeah, we're not going to have our starters there, but the guys behind them are capable players. It's not like our our two deep is, is just void of talent. I mean, Redmond's going to be there. Uh, Stripling's going to be starting at the the rush backer spot. Um, you know we've got other rotational guys that have done some really good things. Grimes and and um, uh, why am I drawing a blank on the the freshman from Weatherford? Yeah, oh, I, Ethan I think Downs. we're going to be yeah. good. Yeah, 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 Downs. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we'll be fine. Are we going to be at our absolute best? No, there will be some fall off there, but as a group, I think we we still should be able to handle ourselves just fine. Yeah, I, I mean, look, is the top-end talent what it would have been if those four guys played? No, but I don't think that they're just replacing those guys with bums. Those are guys that have played this year, like he said. I They'll have their struggles at times, I'm sure, against Oregon in the run game. But for the most part, I I expect them to hold up fine. I, in no way do I think it's going to be some massive mismatch tonight. Yeah, I I think that the problems with our defense, for the most part, typically came whenever we had injury and stuff going on in the secondary. And we've been locked in there. We've had Turner Yell, Pat Fields, Broyles at nickel, and our typical rotation of a couple of guys at corner for a while now. And I think we're going to be pretty locked in on all of that stuff. Like that's where that's where the frustrations defensively have come is – Mainly miscommunication, not lined up properly, and missed tackles. If 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 we, I think we will be able to can line up, adjust to the motions and shifts that they do with their tight ends, which is a lot, and and I, I think we'll be able to hold our own in the front seven. It's whether or not we can make some of those tackles on the perimeter. I agree. Hey, what's next? Is Brent Venables going to be at the Cheez It Bowl to watch his sons and then fly in? Does, does anybody? know what the plan is that's a good question i have no idea i know he was here yesterday uh i don't know if he's flying to the cheese it bowl and then flying back i don't know or maybe he's just hanging up and hanging around until before game time and then bolting to the cheese it bowl i i have no idea i i don't know either if i had to venture a guess i i would guess that he's at the alamo bowl tonight um you know, if his kids were playing in the college football playoff semifinal tonight, I think that could be a little bit different. But I don't, I don't know, man. Um, is he really going to fly out for the Cheez It Bowl of all games? I feel like he'll be in, with OU tonight. Uh, again, I don't know, but that's that's my guess. 
And and I plus he put no out he, he put out like a uh, he put out like a statement earlier to the Clemson fans essentially, which was, really? was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. I'm gonna try to find uh, it and maybe I'll read it, but it was it was good. Huh. Okay. Yeah, Here it I'd is. Like I found it. I found it. Um, it's a really cool graphic. It has him, you know, coaching at Clemson. Basically, all these pictures. It's it's just on his Twitter page at Coach Venables. Clemson family, words can't describe my family's love and appreciation we have for Clemson and the Clemson family. Our lives have been enriched beyond our comprehension because of the people of Clemson. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the constant love and support. What an amazing blessing the last 10 years has been for our family. Clemson will always be home to the Venables family. And then there's another paragraph in there. I won't read that, but I don't know if he's putting out a statement. If he was in San Antonio yesterday, I, I guess that he's at the game tonight. Yeah. All right. There you go. Good stuff. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on. We got the pregame show running up to the Valero Alamo Bowl, University of Oklahoma against Oregon. Tyler's hanging out there scratching. Norman, stay tuned. The four-hour pregame show rolls on on this game day. I'm live at Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails where Bo just came by and grabbed my last ref hat. So if you wanted a hat, you snooze, you lose. I'm sorry. I do have some listener number 31 T-shirts available, though, so so come by, hurry, and uh, pick one of those up. I only have a few left, but appreciate everyone coming by here today. Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails, 132 West Main Street right here in Norman. And via Twitter, it looks, looks like OU has a new defensive senior analyst. That is Xavier Brewer. Teddy, I don't know if you know anything about this guy. Uh, he was the corners coach at UL Monroe. He was previously a grad assistant at Clemson, so there's the BV connection there. He played football at Clemson, uh, played for the Dallas Cowboys for a little bit as an undrafted free agent. Looks like OU has its next um, next coach in an off, kind of in an off-field role, though. I, I, do you know anything about Xavier Brewer? I do not. Uh, I do not know anything about it um, or about him. So... We'll just have to see. I mean, I think a lot of these hires, you just kind of have to, um, just kind of have to to trust that Venables is going to make really good hires in that space, and we'll see what we get out of them. Yeah, yeah. He's thirty-one years old, by the way. Clemson grad assistant from twenty uh, twenty nineteen to twenty twenty, and then he was the corners coach at uh, Louisiana Monroe this past season. So, all right, get um, someone young on the staff. We'll we'll see how that. We'll see how that works out. Defensive analysts, though, that it's good to see because we are wondering if okay, is OU going to bolster up kind of its, you know, its 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 off the field personnel that way, right? Like a lot of other teams right. in the SEC are doing. The only other defensive analysts that I can remember for OU, Bob Diaco and Ruffin McNeil. Am I missing someone in there? Because it seems like the past couple of years they've went with without one of those guys. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's right. Um, no, I, I think that's it. I think you nailed it. I don't think there's any other ones. But I think that there's going to be multiple yeah. uh, analyst roles. Well, right, and, and that's the takeaway is i got no idea of Xavier Brewer, if he's going to be at OU or how long or what's going to happen, but – it's a good sign that they are about to start investing a little bit more in more personnel, which 
is what everyone else in the SEC is doing. And especially when it comes to recruiting staffers, if you want to try to recruit at that level, you've you've got to have the people on the payroll that are dedicated in that role, man. Oh, yeah. Yep. And uh, I'll tell you, Tyler, I had an extended conversation last night with Mr. Thad Turnipseed. Oh, wow. And... Uh, I, I've got a pretty good grasp on some of the changes that are going to be going down up at the University of Oklahoma football program. Huh. Well, by all means, the floor is yours. What did Mr. Turnipseed have to say? Uh, it's going to be quick. There's going to be things happen really fast. In all matters, um, kind of the process and how the players are uh, handled and what the expectations are, um, there's going to be some facility stuff going on pretty quickly. There's there's a lot. There's, there's going to be a lot happening uh, pretty much as soon as this game gets wrapped up, it's the whirlwind starts. So literally every the thing that everyone wants to hear right now, fan-wise, is going to get turned up to a big-time notch as soon as the game is over. That's that's what you're saying? Yes. Best, ca- best case yep. scenario is is about to happen very quickly? Yeah. I, I mm. There's there's going to be a I, – I think the biggest thing right now with – with Venables and the staff that he's putting together and the transition is how to handle it and how to to get this thing going without having a mass defection of players. Right. <laughs> I understand that. So they're, but, they're wanting, you know, to, they're wanting think, to turn up the heat, but they're like, eh, what can the temperature be before we run everyone off? Well, they're going to turn up the heat, and I, I think just some of that is going to be natural, right? It's I've been talking about that. There's going to be some pushback, but there's just there's going to be a whole new level of accountability. Yeah, and okay. it's just something that the players are going to have to get used to and embrace because, like, it's not that's not going to be a negotiable thing. In this in this new transition, it's just that's gonna be how it is. So embrace it and get ready to roll. Well, I I think everyone's like pumping their fists right now, listening to this, saying, "Thank God, this is exactly what we wanted to hear." Again, we don't know how this this whole this whole regime is gonna turn out and, and all this, but I don't know, man. I, I feel good saying that, regardless of what happens. Brent Venables was the right hire right here. I mean, it was the ideal. It was the right hire. The guys that he's hired around him seem like the ideal hires. Um, Everything that's needed to happen to the program is about to happen. Again, we'll see if it eventually works out or not, but OU has put themselves in an incredible position moving forward to get over the hump. To me, uh, I mean, for, for I know, mean, to what what you're saying and, and, and everything else, it, it seems OU's put themselves in a really good spot here. I'll tell you something that I found interesting in the conversation. OU's uh, 
OU's facilities are not anywhere close to where they need to be. Hmm. And it really doesn't have it really doesn't have anything to do with like how nice they are. Like the facilities are really nice. But there's functionality issues within the facilities. And it all it all makes sense as far as efficiency and and how how the place how the building operates this is a fascinating conversation so they they don't need a multi-million dollar upgraded facilities which you know maybe they do maybe they don't they don't necessarily need an overhaul in facilities they just need it's more about the structure that we've been discussing is (laughs) is that what you're saying is that it Mm, well no 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 they really. are gonna ha- they are gonna have an overhaul of facilities. Then is that what's happening? Uh, that's I, I think that's part of the plan. Yeah. Huh. That's it. I mean, because yeah. what five six years ago is when they unveiled the new South End Zone, and I remember taking a tour of that, and it was unbelievable. Now I I know six years is a long time in college football, and some other schools out there have made upgrades as well, but. Okay. I mean, I, I love the sound of that, obviously. It's just, I guess it's a little surprising to me. Yeah. No, it, it is. It, but from the conversation, it, it all totally makes sense for, for what, what he's talking about and, and how it really needs to operate to be able to, to be efficient in, in how you manage things. Because there's, there's a couple of like very strict things that, you you cannot operate around like this is the rules are black and white and it has to do with time right how much time you can uh be there for official practice or official stuff right meetings and and on-field time and all that stuff you're you're very limited in what you can do so whenever you're there and the clock is ticking on what you're doing, there cannot be wasted time moving between different facilities and stuff. Gotcha. Because the yeah. clock is ticking and you're and you're you're just wasting a ton of your time. Okay. And the way we have it set up now is a, there's just kind of a, a lot of a lot of time spent migrating from building to building, from floor to floor, from you know, level to level, from field to field. And it's, it's like, totally inefficient in how it works. Well, here's the most important question of this entire conversation, okay? Did mm-hmm. Mr. Turnipseed say one way or the other if they are going to keep the press box that we love so much? <laughs> <laughs> I told him, I said, listen, there's one thing that I hope is – is not being touched. We take pride in having the worst press box in the entire country in, in yes. Power Five football. We don't need to change that. That sets the tempo for everyone's uh, arrival in Norman. It would be right? how incredible would it be if they do a massive overhaul of facilities? Like it, OU is the new Oregon or Clemson or or like wh- whoever out there. It's the crown jewel of facilities. 
but they still have that old crappy facade of a press box, right? That old eyesore. Love it. Everything else is brand spanking new, state of the art, but not that press box, baby. It's still the same. Let's go. Uh, and and now that we had the um, the addition made to the radio booth from the um, I'm trying to remember the found was it the King Foundation uh, that donated the styrofoam ice chest for the radio booth? <laughs> yeah. It was Sean now King that we LLC have that, is, is who sent that. Yeah, over. <laughs> yeah Sean King LLC uh, donated the styrofoam ice chest for the press box. Like we're good. Right, we're all set up there now, I and mean, we don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. So we're good to go. But, no, definitely an interesting conversation. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up our number two next. Tyler's down there at Scratch and Norman. I'm hanging out here at the Alamo Bowl. We'll be back. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number two of the four-hour pregame show. It is game day OU in Oregon coming your way later tonight. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, Josh Homer all here with you. Let's dedicate this entire segment to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 651-3439. Josh, what do we got? We got a lot. All right, let's get started here. Down in San Antonio, this is from Mike M., Listening to you guys getting ready for the game, Boomer Sooner. Appreciate that, Mike. Good stuff. OU Architect says, uh, please, no dang slide in OU facilities. (laughs) How would you feel if there's a – how would you feel, Teddy, if it meant OU has the best facilities in college football, would you be okay with the slide right by the front door? Um. Uh, here's the thing, and I don't even know what Clemson's is, but if the slide has to do with efficiency, then I guess I'm okay with it, which it probably wouldn't shock me if there's a slide from, like, the third ro- third level meeting rooms that slides directly out onto the practice field. <laughs> like that that yeah. may be what they're talking hey, about. <laughs> efficiency, that's not what that, – no, Dabo just wanted a slide in his facility. Like, yeah. He seems that type of guy. That's fun going to practice it, it, in that thing. That's that's what it's about. It's like – it's almost like the the fire pole in the fire station so they can get down to the ground floor super fast. I, if, if that's the theory behind it, I'm okay with it. But if it's for fun, whatever. What's next? Chances of Chip Viney being retained. What do you think? No idea. No idea either. But it does sound like there's going to be off-the-field roles available if he's open to that route. But not with Teddy. No idea. Will someone slap Teddy? I would say that judging by how it's gone, um, the, the defensive side, it looks like it may be tough to hang around. Will someone slap Teddy for waiting until now to drop that news bomb? That was just flat-out wrong. What do you mean? What did I say? I think they're mad that you waited until an hour and a half in the show to give us that content today. Well, I had forgotten about it. I actually do believe that. I, I Hey, to all of you out there that are mad at Teddy – I 100% believe that he had that amazing conversation with an overhaul facilities, this big grand plan on what's going on, yet he forgot about it when the show started until 3.30. I 100% believe that. 
Yes. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. I didn't even think about talking about it today until something that you said reminded me of it. That's uh, so good. That's <laughs> so good. Wouldn't it be better to improve the facade of the press box but leave the interior the same? Passive, aggressive. <laughs> Agree. Yeah. Yes. You know no what? Doubt. That would actually be good. That would be pretty good. Or just, it like, improve everything except for like a couple of rooms in there no like, just a couple media of rooms room. horrible. just like media row like like the the actual the radio booth. section yeah. yeah the tv is the best but where the writers are just make it make it as crappy as it's been man oh that'd be great <laughs> that's my idea gourmet, gourmet food everywhere and then a cookie plate for <laughs> and boxed up uh popcorn from last night uh, for, the, for the press riders. <laughs> the shark has has uh, checked in on the text line, gentlemen. Cool. The shark says, uh, getting ready to head downtown for the game from North San Antonio. It is officially duck season. Uh, my girls bought duck calls on the way down. Sooners everywhere in the Bucky stops. Boomer. That would have been funny if all the OU fans showed up in, like, waders and camouflage. For the mm-hmm. game, that'd be pretty that good. Would, Going yeah, duck hunting. That, that, yeah, yeah, big fan of that. Leave the shotguns at home, folks. It's not, a, it's not an open carry law down there in San Antonio. It's not going on there. Uh, yeah, it may actually it may be. It may be. It is Texas. Could happen. Got a couple more, Josh, before we hit the top of the hour. What do you guys know about Xavier Brewer, new new defensive analyst? I um, I know nothing other than the resume that I read off. 31 years old. He um, played at Clemson, went undrafted, played for the Dallas Cowboys in, in 2013. Looks like he was a practice squad guy. Gra- uh, graduate assistant, GA at Clemson from 19 to 20, and then was the corners coach last year at Louisiana Monroe. I no no I no idea other than just that. But he's a defensive analyst. This is this is pretty good, thinking about tonight. They want you to talk about who you think we're likely to see for the final time tonight. There's some guys on this team that obviously have some decisions to make, not just uh, not just Caleb Williams, yeah. but older guys on this roster that – Kennedy Brooks, for sure. Yeah, that, that you know could make use of that extra COVID year. But uh, obviously, uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think I think there's several guys. Uh, I think Kennedy Brooks is one of them, and you know I, I'm interested to see. Right, I think there's going to be more portal stuff than there is going to the NFL stuff, if that makes sense. Like I think the going to the NFL guys have already made that decision. Um, the rest of it, I, I think, is going to be whether or not. These guys are going to stay at Oklahoma or want to go elsewhere. And it may be guys that, you know, haven't got a lot of playing time, haven't been able to break into the uh, the starting lineup. And, you know, it makes sense. I understand if those guys want to go play some ball elsewhere. Um, you know, some other guys may feel like whatever the schemes are that we've had or will have don't fit their their style or whatever it is that their, their skill set is. So I think we're going to get some of those, but. For a, for a guess, I, the only guy I can think of is Kennedy Brooks, and my hunch is that he's coming back. Running back's really difficult, and I think if he was if he was going to make that move, he probably would have done what the rest of the guys did and opt out. But what that's about just Braden a guess. Willis? One other one. I think he can come back next year. I think that's the case. What about him? Yeah, I 
I, I think you can. All right, uh, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number three is next. I'm hanging out here at the Alamo Bowl. Tyler is there scratching Norman. Stay tuned. <laughs> 